We are so happy that you are able to join us for today's message. Our hope is that it will encourage you in your walk with God and inspire you to reach those who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com. Enjoy the message. You know, uh, this year we uh, felt, and I really felt over the Christmas holiday season, uh, every year we try to have a theme for the year as to what we feel God's saying for that year going forward. If you remember last year, we had the year to flourish, and uh, we had a church here. If you were at our uh, starting strong day as well, we really had it up. But I think we had the prayer meeting as well. Just some of the things that happened through 2019. Gee, there was some flourishing. Gee, there were some great things that happened last year in the lives of people and uh, in the lives of our 10 a.m. service in our church. Some great, great things. But also in the middle of it, we also had challenges. And uh, God's view of flourishing and my view of flourishing are sometimes two different things. Our view of flourishing is I now very have a lot of money in the bank. <laughs> and uh, I'm able to take uh, multiple holidays back and forth to Ubud in Bali. <laughs> That may not necessarily be God's idea of flourishing for you at the moment. It may include that, but it may be much more something else. So Sue and I last year, here I declare the year of flourishing, and then Sue gets struck with a terrible ear condition, which has given her hypersensitivity to sound. She's been struggling with that for the last 14 months. And uh, good news is she's been in our 8 a.m. service now for the last uh, couple of weeks. Thank God. Thank the Lord. And uh, she's had 30 to 40% improvement. We're believing for the rest of the journey to be healed in Jesus' name. And she's led three people to the Lord in the last eight weeks, which is amazing, including a mum. So would we say that was flourishing when it all kicked in? No. <laughs> would we say it's flourishing now? It's challenging, but people are getting saved. And in the middle of it, Sue and I are having, I would say, God working in us at a new level where we're changing and growing. So I declared flourishing. God says, well, you will, but it'll probably be a few years' time. You know, right now, I'll be doing something to bring about the flourishing you're declaring, but it would not be maybe sometimes what you would choose. I wouldn't always choose certain things, but many times those things are the very things that have developed me, built me, Learn me to trust in God. Help me not to be building my life on what you think or other people think, but build on what Jesus said. And uh, so all those things, though they're challenging, actually build us for God's greater purpose. <clears throat> so I'm continuing on with that theme, everybody, which our theme is this year. It's the year to invest. Because we're now 21 years old now. And uh, 21, gee, we've grown up. And so with that, I think the season is for us to look at investing again. And if you're new to us, can I encourage you, make this your year to start to invest. And uh, for others, can I encourage you, it's time to invest again. And if you want to reap, you've got to sow. So as a church, I believe God's saying, I've got all this ahead for you. I've got influence to help people, to bless people, to touch people. Everything we do is about people. God, God is all, God's kingdom is about God and people. And he loves you. You're important to him, and you are important in his plan. You're, it's, double, it's a double-folded sword, if you like, double-edged sword. You are totally important to God, totally important to God. Number one, full stop. Number two, you're totally important in God's plan. Yeah. 
Okay, number one, you are totally important to God. Then number two, you are totally important in God's plan. It's not one or the other. It is both. And so we need to get that sense of value. I'm important to God. Firstly, if I do nothing, God loves me. He's for me and he's with me. Number two, God wants to use me. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? And it doesn't matter about your background, your past. Some of the people God uses the most have been the most uneducated people. You wouldn't choose them. Yet because of their heart and their attitude, God said, I'll raise you up. I'll use your life. I'll take you and I'll do something incredible with you. Yet you in yourself would judge yourself unusable. God says, ignore that and listen to who I now say you are. Romans 4 says it so powerfully. It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Anybody of the faith of Abraham today? Who is the father of us all? As it is written in verse 17 of chapter 4, I have made you a father of many nations, Abram, in the presence of him whom he believed, God. Look at this. Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Come on, everybody. This is the God we serve today. He's the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which currently do not exist he calls them as though they did. Some of us right now, we were dead before we came to Christ. I won't ask you to raise your hand because we all were. I was dead. Some people were dead, but you wouldn't have known it so much. My face gave me away. Dead on the, on the inside, impacting the outside. I was numb and I was dead and I was dead to God. I had no clue God existed and told my family who were becoming Christians, get away from me. Don't have anything to do with you or this. But the God who lives, he's the God, hello, who brings life to the dead. I, life to the dead, <laughs> dead spiritually, brought me alive and then caused into being things that did not exist, but he called them existing and says they are, even though in the natural, they're not yet. Can I encourage you, God's called things over your life and he's called things over our church into being which do not exist. And he says, actually, they do. <laughs> in God, they exist. And uh, one of the things I just told the last service and Friday night made me laugh so much. The day I became a Christian, and I was so working against, my family were becoming Christian, my mum became a Christian, started telling me all the time, God's going to save you, God's going to save you. I didn't know what she was talking about. God's going to save you. I'm like, am I at the beach needing to be rescued with a life boy? What are you talking about? got no clue what she was saying to me. Then she starts saying to me, God's going to use you. I'm like, don't say such a stupid thing to me. What, God's going to use you. What does that mean? Ridiculous. I told her, shut up, you crazy old woman. I've been changed by the grace of God. I'm an angel now compared to what was there. I told you. So anyway, and then the pastor that night, I come down the front. I don't even know how I walked down the front to pray this prayer. And when I get down there, the pastor says, and some of you shall go and plant churches. I thought, what a stupid thing to do. Who would ever want to plant churches? Now I've been involved in planting six. <laughs> God calls into being. Those things that don't yet exist as though they've already happened. So you need to know over your life and over our church, God can call you something that you are becoming. 
God can call you something that right now you are becoming, yet you and yourself are like, I don't know how I could ever be that. Good news is it's not up to you. It's up to Him. (laughs) And He will often call you something that you are not ready for. God will call you something you're not ready for. And you'll be like, what? (laughs) I remember with with Sue when I told her, I started feeling my wife was going to speak and share and be involved in leading with women and things. I started telling Sue and Sue said, no, he's not. And I said, no, babe, I really feel one day you're going to be able to speak and share and you're going to be helping the ladies. She said, I won't be. (laughs) And I went, no, Sue, like I really could see, I really feel, she said, I won't be doing that. And then the day they asked her to take over the Australian Christian Women State Leader role here in Perth, I just was trying to be quiet. (laughs) And when she turned around, I went, And then I felt, I told, and then I went, no, no, no. (laughs) God will call you something you're not ready for. He'll call you a man when you're still a boy. (laughs) He will call you a king while you're a kid. God will call you a mother while you're a virgin. (laughs) Mary, you're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She's like, I haven't even had sex. What are you talking about? He'll call you victorious when you feel absolutely defeated. You feel absolutely defeated. You feel like, I can't go on. I'm at the end of my rope. (laughs) And God says, no, actually, you're victorious. You're victorious. You just don't see it yet. You just don't know it yet. And if you're at the end of your rope, let go and fall into his arms. (laughs) People, I'm at the end of my rope. Good. Let go of it, fall into his arms. Say, Lord, I can't do it. He said, I've been waiting for that for 10 years. I've been waiting to hear that from you for 10 years. And the moment I let go and fell into God's arms, he said, now I'll carry you. Let me carry you through one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time, and God will carry you through. If you've got stress, problems, challenges, don't be saying, I can't go on, oh my gosh, oh! A lot of people start screaming and yelling when they can't go on. What is that about? (laughs) If you can't go on, put your energy into, I give in. (laughs) Don't put your energy into, yeah, my gosh, I got it. There's a lot of you controlling the stuff still. When if you can't go on, then let go and be quiet. Jesus, I give in. Over to you. What am I doing in the next hour? The Lord says, do this. Turn the TV off and sit in silence and I'm going to touch you. All right, Lord, I'll do that. After an hour, what do I do now, Lord? He says, go and read Psalms. I'll do that. (laughs) That's how you do it. Kill all the yelling, kill all the screaming and let God do it. He'll call you healed while you have various symptoms. Symptoms are happening. You've got symptoms here, you've got symptoms here. The doctor gives you a bad report and the Lord says, you're healed. You're healed. And Sue and I got told by the doctor she'd had miscarriages. Then Sue had a topic pregnancy. At about 11 weeks, she nearly died in surgery. Doctors were telling us, we don't think you'll have kids. And then Sue's like, I'm seeking the Lord on this. Goes home. Months later, we're both through tears saying to God, if we don't have children, Lord, help us to get better, not bitter. Help us, Lord, to serve you anyway. And Sue said, if we don't have kids, I'll love children one way or another. I will love children. 
We decided we weren't going to dictate the terms to God. We're believing God for it. We wanted to dictate the terms. We felt like dictating the terms. We felt like being God. But we said, Lord, help us that your will will be done. And the Lord, Sue said, I'm going to ask the Lord about this. I'm going to believe about this. And then she read her daily reading. Her daily reading said, your sons will be princes in the land. I was at work, came home. Sue said, come in the door. God spoke to me in my daily reading. And I said, he spoke to you in the daily reading? She goes, yes. He, when, he, when I read it, it hit my heart. She said, like a hot iron. And I knew God just told me that. And I said, what did he say? She said, your sons will be princes in the land. Sue turns to me and she goes, we're having boys. We had three. <laughs> He'll call you delivered while you're stumbling in sin. You'll be stumbling in sin, feel like you're terrible, feel like how could God ever use you? And God says, you're delivered and you're holy. You're like, are you crazy? I mean, I'm stumbling in sin again. And God says, no, you're delivered and you're holy. Lord, I'm terrible. How can you even look at me? You're delivered and you're holy. God calls you delivered and holy long before you feel it. Why is that? Because it's not about feelings. About, it's about what He has done, what He's done on the cross, what He's done to His sacrifice, the shedding of his blood, you are delivered and holy. All we have to do is say, Lord, okay, I agree. Now help me, Lord, to be that. Because I can't do it through striving. I can only do it through you gracing me. So Lord, grace me to become holy because I can't do it in my own strength. In Jesus' name. So God's plan for your life, everybody, is multiplication. It's multiplication. Out of our lives, God wants to multiply what he's put in us. Did you know that? What God's put in you, He plans to multiply. Pastor Eli talked the other day, or even last week, about uh, Jesus cursing the fig tree, which was a bit naughty because he started talking about figs being bad for you because they have sugar. People, it's natural sugar. Have a fig. Anyway, <laughs> have a fig. But Jesus rebuked the fig tree, and it's like, why did He rebuke it? Like there was no figs on it, no fruit on the tree, and normally, too, even when there's no fruit on the fig tree, there's a pre-fig on the tree, like a pre-fruit. So you could find something on a fig tree, even if there was no figs, that you could usually eat that would be nutritious when you were traveling. So Jesus rebuked it, and he rebuked the fig tree. And one of the key reasons he rebuked it was it because it was violating its creation mandate. That fig tree was violating its creation mandate, which was, which was what? To multiply and to provide. To multiply and to provide. God's called us to multiply, subdue the earth, provide. You are called to have uh, what God has put in you coming out of your life. And so the fig tree was violating its creative mandate. Are you violating your creative mandate today? Because God's put gifts and talents in you that He wants to use in the multiplication of salvations, His church, and His kingdom. In Jesus' name. So every person has a call, an individual call. But did you know that churches have a calling on a church? Churches have a calling. We have a corporate calling. God has an ideal for Global Heart Church. What we're trying to do in the leadership team, and I pray you're trying to do it, is get the mind of Christ for our individual calling, but then for our church. What are we called to be doing, God, and help us to fulfill that mandate? So God has the ideal, and then we have to work through our current reality right now. We work through, well, we're not fully there, in the natural, but Lord, we're on the journey to your ideal whilst we deal with our current reality. And I like this. Grace gives you something on credit now that time takes payment on later. So grace gives you something on credit. God will say, here's what I've got for you now. 
Here's what I want you to do. Head this way, sow into this, and you'll outwork it through time. You'll outwork it through the process. There is a process to the progress. Come on, there's a process to the progress. And I want to remind everybody in our 10 a.m. service, you know, when you come to church, don't just come and say, hey, I'm coming to get a message, or, you know, um, I want to just get that message. Listen, that's great, and I like messages, but I want to remind everybody again, the Word of God is not there just to give you a message as such. And the Word of God is also not there to give you a history lesson. We, we read the Word of God, and it's full of history. It contains history. But the purpose of the Bible was never to be a history book. Never. The purpose of the Bible was to teach and to proclaim and to give you and I revelation, not just information, but revelation. In, on March 1st, hello, 2020, can you believe that? March 1st, 2020, God is trying to give you spiritual truth to your life, your relationship, your family, your job, your business. He's trying to give you spiritual truth. So you understand on an increasing level what God has called you to. So when you come to church, you need to say, Lord, speak to me today about my calling. I need understanding. I need revelation. I need you to show me, Lord, what I'm meant to be doing now. Listen, and then you activate what God says. You activate what God says. Somebody in, before the first service who was serving in church got a big promotion at their workplace, very big promotion. And I said, that's so awesome. I'm so excited that's happening for you. And they said, Pastor Jared, it all started by me serving at church. When I took the posture of a servant in God's house, I started helping in church. Then it was a correlation. You got to make the connection points, everybody. They said to me, when I started doing that and carrying responsibility, I got promoted at work like crazy. And they said, now I get it, now I get it, now I get it. Do you know what? There's Christians who go to church for 30 years, never carry a responsibility in the church, never carry any weight, never serve, and then go, God, where are you? God goes, I'm here. Where are you? <laughs> I'm here with my body. I'm here in my house. And now they said to me, I can see how it works, Pastor Jared. And I went, amen. If you build his house, he'll build yours. That thing is what our spirit orders, somebody once said, so good, so true. What our spirit orders, our soul pays for. What our spirit orders, our soul pays for. If you want a breakthrough in your life and you believe in God spoke to you to do something, well, God tells you and says, hey, do this, but what's going to happen is your soul's going to pay for it. What does that mean? You're going to have to make a change. You're going to have to make a change. It's that word we all love, right? We love that word. Got to make a change. Some people are like, well, I just want to get married. If I got married, everything would change. Well, probably you're not married is because you need to change. Then that would change, and then marriage would come. Got to make a change. Got to make a change. So I got to say, Lord, what do I need to change to have that? What do I need to change to have that? So if we're going to have God's will, I got to keep making changes as a senior pastor. But I need you to keep making changes. And then together, we're able to take new territory. But it's not going to happen because of one person. And, uh, and as I said, our role here in the pastoral team, if you like, is to equip you to fulfill your calling. But I've got to change. <laughs> and I've got to keep opening up to God. You heard me like the other day when I was in Europe and I said, Lord, Lord, you know, I need a break. I need a rest, I think. 57 now. Kick, time to kick back. I need to just go to Honolulu. Find myself a great bed by the pool for about two years. 
So I planted this church. I've been working in Eastern Europe, and I've been in Japan, and we've done Perth, and we did London. And the Lord just came out with so softly and nicely to me, don't restrict me now. Straight into my spirit. Don't restrict me now. And on Friday, I was at the pastor's meeting here in Perth for Australian Christian Churches, and Rick and Beck were there, who used to be on our team now, uh, pastors at Nations, which is so awesome. And I saw them, and I thought, oh, I'll go and sit with them. And they were in the back row, and I sat in the back row. And I thought, oh, that's good, too. The pastor here, who often prophesies over people, will leave me alone. You all want prophecies. I don't. <laughs> it's so, and then the next minute, Pastor Jared, I've got a word for you. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, you're all laughing. Because the word's like, once again, the Lord's saying more harvest, multiply, more campuses. I'm like, oh, more work. <laughs> Everybody's coming up to me after, Pastor, it's so great, so great, and not that word. I'm like, heck no. i got to do work now. Look, I'm honest. I know what this deal's about. When my spirit orders my soul's going to pay for. So I'm going to have to get myself in gear to say, because I'm the, well, to get to me, I'm in, this, I'm in a passage we're about to read shortly, of the son who, the two sons. I'm the one who's like, I'm not doing that. Lord, get someone else. And then six months later, some of you are like, yes, Lord, though yeath, you speaketh. I, Lord, will always be there. And the moment we have the heart for the house offering, we can't see you for dust. You're like out the door. Half of the house is on, quick. There's an offering happening. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. I didn't know this message was going to go this way today. I didn't know. It's just new to me, too. <sighs> invest means again entrust God wants us to entrust into him our lives again trust your family trust your job entrust your business make him the CEO trust your kids another definition is buy into time to buy into what God's doing buy into his house time to do that Jesus is only coming back for one thing his church and uh, it's the church worldwide but he has a local expression in actual fact, Revelation's got seven letters to seven local churches. By, uh, devote time to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a great result. And here's another one on, on invest. Confer certain rights or powers to someone or something. When I'm investing, I am saying to God, Lord, you are Lord. <laughs> and I'm acknowledging your ownership of my life. When did you last acknowledge God's ownership for your life? When did you acknowledge God's ownership of your life? The power is when he's Lord. The moment I say to God, Lord, have your way, and I'm not always happy about it. You don't have to be happy about letting God have his way. It's not a feeling. But when I do, every time I see God back it up. May not be for a week, may not be for a month, but I'm like, Lord, oh my gosh, help me to surrender to you and confer the rights and powers to you that you deserve, which is ownership of my life, ownership of Global Heart Church. Global Heart Church is not about personalities. It's not about a couple. It's not about a team. It's about Jesus. It's about him. It's about him. 
So here's my questions, everybody. And if you're not yet a Christian, or if you're a new Christian, just have a little sit back, kick back for a minute, have a coffee, whatever you're doing. This is for people who've been going to church for a good few years. Here's the question. Where is God calling you to invest that you don't currently want to? Where is God calling you to invest that currently you're like, I don't want to do that. Can I encourage you? The power is in investing where God told us to invest. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's service in God's house. Maybe it's in finally tithing. Been fighting over that one for a long time. The eternal principle throughout Scripture, and you're like, I'm going to get into that. Luke 6, 29 says, if someone gives you, if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them, Jesus said. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Jesus is teaching us, everybody, that the in, in having an extraordinary life, an extraordinary church, it's an extraordinary breakthrough. The extraordinary is found in the extra. And I love it in 1 Samuel 1, if you were here Friday night, I talked about Hannah, who was married to Elkanah. And uh, he had two wives and the other wife, she, uh, you know, back in that time, she had sons and daughters and Hannah had none. And uh, she just started crying out to God and said, God, I want to have a child. She was barren. And as she cried out to God, she said to God, I will give the baby back to you. And you know what? All of heaven rang out and resonated when it heard somebody say, I will give this child to you. And so Hannah gives birth to a son, Samuel, who became probably the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. And her investment of her son in giving him back to God, listen, changed a nation. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be an author. You don't need to be somebody who has an international stage. You don't have to be the person with the most Instagram followers. You can be a person who changes a nation just by playing your part. And she, all she did, hello, even though it seemed so small, yet it was so huge, was give her son back to God. And then God used him to change a nation. Sometimes we need to change our thinking about what will what's really going to have an impact in life. Sometimes we think it's spectacular. Well, I've discovered with God some of the most simple things are spectacular. The woman who crossed the road to my mom, Diane, who we never know what happened to Diane. She was in the Air Force traveling around Australia, a little Baptist lady, reached out to my mom three times when we were in a hellish time in, in our life. My teenage years were hell. And she crossed the street in one of the poorest suburbs in Sydney to my mom, and third time, took my mom to church, brought us food. My mom's saying, we don't take charity. I'm like, heck, we do. Give me the food. <laughs> took my mom to church. Mom got saved. Then uh, my brother got saved. Then my other brother got saved. And then from that, I took Steve Kelly to church, who leads a church in America with thousands now. And Steve reckons he's worked out from Diane, 40,000 people have given their life to Christ. 40,000. 40,000 over the last 39 years. Diane doesn't know. She's probably in a nursing home, I don't know, somewhere around Australia, has no clue that her part, as she stood up and said, I don't really want to cross the road to this lady who's rejecting me, but I'll go again and I'll take another casserole. I'll go again. You know, the Bible says, don't be deceived, God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows or a woman sows, this will they reap. You gotta sow everybody to reap. You want to reap in life? You've got to sow something. You want to reap in a relationship rather than just being mad with that person? I'm not talking, I'm not talking. Sow something. 
so something. Some people you've got to have boundaries with. You've done that, you've done that, and you know that there's just abuse, ongoing abuse, ongoing challenge, then you have to have a boundary. I get that, absolutely. But sometimes God's saying, no, in this situation, you need to sow again in order to reap. Here's the thought, everyone. It's doing what God's asking us to do now. And then we need to sow with others in mind. Sow with others in mind. Start today to make a deposit in someone else's life. If you want to get out of your old life, you cannot get out of it by sitting there thinking about yourself. Oh, what about me? What about this with me? What about that with me? What about if this happens with me? What about that? What about happened there? What did she think? What is he? If I had to stay there with that stuff, being physically abused, psychologically abused by my dad, today I would be totally an addict and totally destroyed. I had to get up and say, Jesus, help me. I haven't even been sown into God and now you're telling me to sow into people. And you know what Jesus said to me? That's right. I'm like, no, it's too hard. I don't think I can do it, okay? And he's like, I'll be with you. Go ahead. And as I sowed and as I gave and as I served and as I worked on saying some encouraging words to people, oh my gosh. It was so challenging at the beginning. But as I did, guess what happened? I started getting healed. Stop thinking about myself. Started getting healed. Started getting healed. Started getting a life. <laughs> my broken soul began to get healed. My broken spirit began to get healed. I grew up in poverty, even though my mom's family was all wealthy. I grew up in the poverty of it. Guess what? I began to prosper. When you stop thinking about you, you begin to prosper emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationally, emotionally. Began to prosper. And now I sit there and go, thank you, Lord, that in sowing in other people's lives, you actually enlarged my life. You know what? Gary Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman, talked about the five love languages. Parents, you need to get this book. Husbands and wives, you need to get it. He worked out there's five key love languages that people have, and they're all different. One is gifts. Two is words. Another is time. Another is acts of service. And another one is affection. All of us like different things. Some people, you give them a gift, they couldn't care less. They're like, oh, thank you so much for the gift. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Other people are like, you gave me a gift that's the nicest thing ever anyone could give me. Other people, you give them words and they're like, yeah, thanks. But what I really want is time. Other people, you're like, hang on, I gave you words and gifts and you don't, you're not that excited. It's because their love language, acts of service, they actually like you doing things for them, not giving them stuff. Everybody's so different. We need to find out what people's love languages are. Parents, if you want to touch your children's hearts, find out what their love language is. Find out what their love language is and you'll touch your children's hearts. <laughs> One of my boys said to me once when he was a teenager, Dad, why do you keep doing that? That is not my love language. Well, in the book, I thought it was potentially yours. And he said to me, let me confirm, it is not my love language. Right. Okay, making a change, making a change. You know, invest in people. My wife's a great investor in people. I'm so proud of my wife. Even now, she's come, been going through this whole challenge. She's home, and this morning as I'm leaving to come to church, I see a card that Sue has written to, out to the people who live across the road from her mother, an old couple who are 80, and she's writing to them. I'm like, this is like super Christian. How do I live in a house with super Christian? It's like, oh my gosh, too convicting. Women, you are multipliers. Come on, all the girls at Global Heart Church, you are multipliers. 
You give a woman three vegetables, half a piece of meat, and she'll make an incredible meal that feeds 20 people. One day Sue said to me, are you hungry? And I said, yeah, but you haven't got time to do it. She said, oh, I'll do it. And then I walked in the door. It would have been about 18 minutes after she had took five things out of the fridge and she'd made this hot cooked dinner. And I was like, oh my gosh, did God drop this from heaven? Where did this come from? She goes, no, I cooked it. I said, how? That's impossible. How? That's, and that's a physical impossibility. Anybody could do that. And she was like, eh. <laughs> I said to her, go on my kitchen rules. Women are multipliers. Give a woman trouble, she'll give you hell. She'll multiply it. Give her love, she'll multiply it. She'll multiply it to you, to the kids, she'll multiply it. Give her a seed, what does she give you? A baby. Women are multipliers, girls, you're multipliers. Husbands, we need to realize that we are in the presence of an anointed multiplier. <laughs> so give her love and she'll multiply it. Here's a thought. So with the next generation in mind, everybody, invest with the next generation in mind. You cannot, as a Christian, think only about this generation. It's impossible. We serve the God who the Scripture mentions time and time again, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Why does the Scripture keep saying that? Because we think too small and we're not understanding the bigness of God's plan. My, did I tell you I'm having a grandson? He's coming in June. Anyway. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's not maybe what God does through you, but what God does through the person you birth. Parents, it might be your children, it might be your grandchildren. This, my grandchild's gonna preach. I'm believing for a preacher. Nathan and Kerry, that baby's preaching. Listen to your dad. But you've got to have future generations in mind. You know, in the scripture, the story of Eli, who was a priest who served in God's temple. And his two children were out of control. He was a priest serving God's temple. And Hophni and Phinehas dishonored God at the temple. Then they were immoral at the temple. It's like, what the heck is happening in this story? And then you realize Eli, the priest, was a passive parent. He never got involved with his children. He never exampled Christianity to them. Parents, we need to think about our children's children's children serving the Lord. Well, that's not going to happen because I'm like, Oh, yeah, you're going to get to God one day. I might make it to church sometime, but uh, currently Netflix got a few good things on, you know. Oh, well, ultimately it's all the Lord. Sue, it's all the Lord. Just let the Lord be the Lord. It's not all the Lord, people. Otherwise, you don't need arms and legs. We'll just sit you there and call you on a chair and call you Bob. Anyway, <laughs> God uses us. Parents, He uses us to be an example to our children, our children's children. Sue and I have to, we, as dysfunctional as we were, we had to go, okay, now we have to example Christianity. It's going to be interesting. Help us, God, to example it. Help us, God, to teach the boys about serving, honoring, humility, being a team player at church. One of the big things that we did with the boys was we never ever separated our boys from you. Sue and I never said, okay, now we're having dinner as a family, but then we're going to church with the other people. With those other people, you know at church? But this is our family time. No, 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 we never did that. We taught the boys, God has placed us in a great family. It's a great local family, the family of God. 
we're mum and dad. We're going to have a great dinner together. But we're going to go and see our family. How good is God placing us in such a beautiful family? So our boys grew up loving you, acknowledging you, honoring you, loving you. Now, two are on staff. One's might as well be on staff. They love you. And they have a sense of right obligation to God's house. If you don't example that, you'll be like to your children, hey, do you want to come to the church club this week? Are you busy? Got a party to go to? No, you're not on a sleepover? Okay, we might go to church this week. You are creating children who will not walk in their destiny. They will not walk in God's destiny. You got another sleepover? Okay, honey, go to church next month. Here's a word from the Lord. Heck, ditch the sleepover. We are going to church. We are serving the Lord. You have an amazing call of God. We are called as a family. Teach your children and grandchildren. We're called as a family. And then watch, you're going to be a great hinge that opens a door to your child and grandchildren's future. Hello, be a great hinge that opens the door to your child's and grandchildren's future. Not somebody who closed the door. (laughs) Anyway, I'm finishing now. Follow through. This is the last one. Follow through on what you said. What did you say to God? A lot of us said to God, Lord, here I am. Lord, I'm here. And we go, Lord, use me. And the Lord says, I'd like to. And then the moment we start serving and helping people and we feel used, we say, I'm never going to be used again. Everybody, if you offer yourself to God and say, Lord, take me, do something through me, use me, God will use you. And the result of being used is that sometimes you feel, thank you, choir. Well done, class. You're getting a B plus today. You feel, you feel it. So guess what you have to do as a Christian? Let go of a lot of stuff. Let go of things. They looked at me the wrong way. They said the wrong thing to me. They did this. I told the last service, there was a pastor in America. I was at a pastor's conference and he said, he said, as a pastor, you have to let go of little offenses all the time. And he told the story. He grew a little goatee like this when they were cool and a little mustache. And he said he was walking to the platform to speak at church and a woman in the front row said to him, Pastor, when you were going to the platform today with that mustache and mo, you look like the devil. Beautiful people, beautiful people. And he said the whole message he was trying to preach, remembering this woman told him he just looked like the devil because he'd grown a little goatee and a little... And he said, I'm trying to preach the Word of God and now she's traumatized me and I'm looking like the devil being a pastor. Anyway, so he said he finished his message, he walked off, he was going down the aisle and a lady stopped him and said, Pastor, when you preached today, that message was absolutely for my life. And she said, and I knew that you were today just being Jesus up there to me. And he said to all of us at the pastor's conference, in 35 minutes, I went from Satan to God. <laughs> so, so everybody, give grace to people because we're all crazy, right? <laughs> if you want grace, give it. If you want mercy, give it. And if you've got a list with things on it, can I encourage you to get an eraser and start rubbing them all out? Don't have any lists with stuff that people have done. Last thought was Matthew 21. Look at, listen to this in the Amplified Bible. Oh, this is one of my favorite color verses because it just describes Pastor Spencer. No. 
Well, Leah may agree in a minute. I'm going to ask. Who thinks I should ask Leah? No, no. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, this is him speaking to you and the girls as well. Go and work in my vineyard today. And he and she answered, I will not. But afterwards, they regretted it, changed their mind, and they went. Then the man came to the second son or daughter and said the same thing. And he, and he replied, and she replied, Yes, I will, sir. I'll do it. But they did not go. But if you read on, Jesus said, Which one did the will of God? Where's all the people like me? You're the spit the dummy people. Thank you, honest three. Thank you, honest three. I'm the one saying to God, I'm not doing that. No way. Get somebody else to do it. Why don't you do it? <laughs> get some angels. You must have angels to do something. Get someone else doing it. I spit the dummy and then I go a month, three months, six months, two years later. All right. All right, I will. A whole bunch of you are like, Lord, I'm here. I will go, Lord, to the nations. Send me. I am ready. And the Lord goes, you don't go to home group. You don't even go to connect group. How am I sending you to the nation when I can't get you to a home group with Christians on a Tuesday night? <laughs> I will go. Well, get in your car and get to connect group. Because <laughs> that's the start of your amazing ministry. Everybody with an amazing ministry, there it is. And by the way, take biscuits with you and please make sure they're not arrowroot. Lord, I'm honoring your people and they're not arrowroot. Amen. I will go. You said you'll go. You will serve. You will give. In the year to invest, it's time to follow through. Come on, church. Let's follow through in 2020. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com.